Welcome to Daily Interlake News Now. I'm your host, Taylor Inman. We're taking a look at some of last week's biggest headlines and what's coming up for the Flathead Valley. In this week's Deep Dive segment, I chat with Daily Interlake Regional Managing Editor Matt Baldwin. I thought it would be fun to chat with Matt and give you guys some insight on how we run the newsroom, and he's going to give us a look at how the paper comes together. But first, here are some headlines. Hi, everyone. I'm Matthew, and I just really, really wanted to say how grateful I am for everybody who assisted in searching me and for everybody who did search for me. That's part of a thank you message from 19-year-old Matthew Reed, who was missing in Glacier National Park for several days before he was found by rescue crews. Reed is a chemical engineering student at Brigham Young University in Utah, who was passing through the national park on a trip back east after the end of the semester. He set out to hike the Huckleberry Lookout Trail on May 5th and was reported missing on May 7th. Search and rescue crews began looking for Reed that day and located him on Monday night using a thermal scan. During his hike, Reed attempted to cross a snowbank and slipped into an unknown drainage on the east side of Huckleberry Mountain. Determining he could not make it back up the trail, he started working his way down the drainage. Reed's mother, Barbara, says the scoop marks left in the snow provided the biggest clue for search and rescue crews as they tried to determine Reed's whereabouts. He told his family he understood that with all the fog and clouds, it would be difficult to get helicopters out there, but upon hearing the helicopters, he felt hope. While making his way through the wilderness, he said he kept going by remembering all of the friends and family who would be waiting for him once he was rescued. His mother said he decided to build a a shelter near clear, running water. After the rescue, a U.S. Border Patrol agent told them he made a few very smart decisions that contributed to his survival. Reed was receiving treatment at Logan Health in Kalispell, but he was hoping to be transferred to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota as soon as possible to receive treatment for frostbite using hyperbaric oxygen. A man who allegedly threatened to shoot up a Flathead Valley school last week is behind bars on multiple charges. 36-year-old Robert Arnold Brown faces a felony count of intimidation and a misdemeanor charge of assault with a bodily fluid. He was booked into the Flathead County Detention Center on May 9th, according to jail records. Prosecutors alleged in charging documents that Brown text messaged his sister about his intention to go on a shooting. She turned those messages over to deputies with the Flathead County Sheriff's Office as well as his workplace and vehicle. A specific school was not identified in court documents. Deputies arrested Brown in Columbia Falls and took him to the county jail, court documents said. Once there, Brown allegedly spat in the face of a detention center officer. The Washington Post counts 21 school shootings across the nation thus far in 2023 though only one involving multiple fatalities. The Covenant School shooting in Nashville saw six killed, three students and three adults, in a March 27th shooting. Brown is expected to appear before Judge Danny Kaufman on May 15th for his arraignment. Intimidation carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in the Montana State Prison and a $50,000 fine. Assault with bodily fluids is punishable by a year of imprisonment and a $1,000 fine. Representative Zoe Zephyr, whose removal from the State House in April brought national attention to Montana, accused state Republicans of adopting an ends-justify-the-means approach to governance at a gathering of the Flathead Democrats over the weekend. Zephyr, a Democrat from Missoula and a transgender woman, spent the final days of the legislative session working off the House floor, able to vote but barred from speaking on bills working through the State House. The series of events that led to her removal began with GOP leaders reprimanding her for breaching decorum and climaxed with demonstrators disrupting the chamber's business in a protest that ended with seven arrests. During her appearance in the Flathead Valley, Zephyr criticized Republicans for propagating a strain of Christian nationalism in the state, particularly in northwest Montana. You know, we see, especially y'all in the Flathead, see clearly 
what exactly they are trying to do here. The sort of brand of, quite frankly, Christian nationalism that is trying to put down roots in this part of our state. And I think it's important to remember that that, the, the family leading that charge has only been in politics here 15 years or so, and we can plant seeds today. That was a thinly veiled reference to the Regeer family. House Speaker Matt Regeer is just one member of that family active in Montana politics. His father, Senator Keith Regeer, and his sister, Representative Amy Regeer, chair their respective chambers' powerful judiciary committees, both of which reviewed many highly contested bills this session, including legislation affecting the LGBTQ plus community. Christian nationalism has recently found a foothold in American politics, particularly in the Republican Party. According to a 2023 survey by, by the nonpartisan Public Religion Research Institute, Institute and the Washington, D.C.-based Bookings Institution. The worldview is based upon the idea that the U.S. is a Christian nation and that the country's law should be rooted in Christian values. While a majority of Republicans reported sympathizing with Christian nationalism, the survey found that the idea remains a minority nationwide. Read those full stories at dailyinterlake.com. Now it's time for our deep dive segment, and this week I'm chatting with my boss, Matt Baldwin, who is the regional managing editor for the Daily Interlake. We're hoping to give you guys a look at how the newsroom works and how the paper comes together on a daily basis. All right, Matt, thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me in here. Yeah. So we have a few different editors here at the Interlake. Matt is the regional managing editor. Matt, can you explain a little bit about what that is and what you do here at the paper? Yeah, so uh, it's it's Hagedone Media Montana, which has eight newspapers in Montana. It's the Daily Interlake, Hungry Horse News, Whitefish Pilot, Big Fork Eagle, the Western News in Libby, Lake County Leader in Polson, and then we have two small weeklies in Mineral County and Sanders County. So I sort of help those papers from day to day, do a lot of different things. However, they need me to, to help out. Uh, a lot of my attention is focused on the Daily Interlake and uh, – doing work with the, the daily paper. But um, the Hagedone newspaper company is based out of Idaho. And so we are eight papers that they own, but they also have newspapers in Coeur d'Alene and Sandpoint, and they actually have some papers in uh, Washington State as well. So uh, we're a part of that group, and um, the eight papers here uh, operate independently from the Coeur d'Alene office, but we do try to work together as a team on some projects as well. Okay, yeah, we cover a big area over here in our part of the country. We really do. Uh, when you think about geographically, how many miles we're covering with those eight papers, all the way from the Idaho border down to Mineral County and I ninety. So that's that's a big turf. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned that a lot of what you do is the inner lake specifically. So maybe can you walk me through what an average day day in the life is like for the paper production? Yeah, so we start in the morning with a uh, editor's meeting. Uh, we try to pull that off around 10 a.m. once everyone's kind of settled in in the day. And, and in that meeting, we'll just talk about what we have planned for the paper. We talk about what's happening nationally and regionally on the on the wires. Uh, we, we discuss about what stories might be coming up that would... Um, impact our front page that day. Generally, we have a good idea of what's going to go on the front page in the morning, but uh, inevitably it changes. Something happens, um, breaking news will shift things around, something happening nationally will come up that we didn't recognize coming, and we, uh, we make adjustments on the fly for that. 
But uh, by about 4 o'clock, we're pretty set on what's going to go in the paper. And uh, it hits the press around 7 or 8 o'clock. Sports goes at 10 or 11 o'clock. Okay. Yeah, and we have a news editor here, and we have a features editor. So that's who Matt works with um, in the editor's meeting. Um, when, when you're looking at local coverage, uh, what, are you, what are you looking for for the paper? That's the, that's the most important thing for the, the Daily Interlake and our weeklies is local. Uh, that's why people subscribe to us. They can get national world news anywhere. So they're not coming to our papers for that. They want to know what's going on in their community. So we have to ask ourselves uh, with every story, how does this affect where we live? Um, why do our readers need to know about this? Why would they care? So once we ask ourselves those questions and, and come up with those answers, then we can kind of create a, you know, a hierarchy of what's the most important stories to be presented in the paper that day. Uh, we also need to be interesting and relevant and timely. Uh, you know, we, we try to move quickly on stories. So those definitely play a role in our decision-making process every day too. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Just over the past like few months, Maybe we can go through some topics that we've been paying attention to. I know like homelessness and Kalispell has been a big one. Is there others that you can kind of think of? That oh, the legislative session has brought up a number of uh, issues that we're, we've been talking about. Housing is, uh, coincides with the homelessness issue. Um, we're dealing with uh, city councils making decisions that are affecting housing and homelessness. So that's that's been a big part of it. But the legislature itself has been doing a lot of things that uh, have drawn national attention in the last few weeks that have been uh, local issues that we've been covering as well. Yeah, for sure. So how do you take in community feedback? You know, we get calls every day. People still call down <laughs> to the newsroom to either, uh, you know, give us a, a story idea, a news tip. That's great. Sometimes they call to uh, chew us out about a story or just uh, offer us praise and I'd say all those things are great. If you're not getting interaction from your community, you're not reaching them in the right way. And we have no shortage of interaction with our readers and community. So uh, it, it's definitely good. And it helps guide our decision-making process when you get that feedback. Uh, when somebody calls to tell you why they disagreed with a certain story, we listen. And um, while we may maybe not agree with that, we're definitely um, uh, taking that feedback and it helps guide us going forward for sure. Um, but th that being said, when people call and disagree and tell us they don't like stories, um, there's still things we have to cover that are uncomfortable, mm -hmm. that are uh, important topics that you know maybe people don't want to read in their paper in the morning, but they should know that it's going on. Um, a great example was your series on uh, bullying that we did earlier this year where uh, – we talked to some some victims of bullying and detailed the, sh the challenges and struggles that came from that and, and the school district's reaction and, and how they handled it. And I think that that was an un uncomfortable story for the community to read, to hear about that happening in the schools locally. That being said, it's uncomfortable, but it's important to talk about. And I think ultimately at the end of that series, um, maybe parents and school districts and students came away with a little bit of a better understanding of why this is an important topic. So uh, it, was, it was important that you didn't shy away from that 
that the paper didn't shy away from it just because it was going to make people uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of this job. Like as a reporter, you know, I don't love going out and doing stories like that. You know, maybe there's a misconception or whatever, but reporters, I, as a reporter myself, I don't love doing those stories that are so contentious and, you know, bad news, as you might say, but um, what takes, what was more important is that the community knows something like that is going on. And so finding that like balance is always really interesting to me and honestly one of the best parts of my job. Yeah. And what we do here and what we strive to do is to cover it in a way that's um, fair to the community, right? So we're not, we're not here to sensationalize things. Um, we're, We're letting people share their stories, giving them a platform that's trusted and uh, that's the difference in what, what we do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another way that we're getting feedback is on our opinion page. And I would say that the Daily Interlake and uh, our weeklies have really robust opinion pages compared to some other uh, news outlets. We, we get a lot of interaction with our readers. And that's just a really good sign that people, people are engaging with the content that we're putting out there. And that's, that's really our goal. Um, we welcome all types of letters, rebuttal letters are, are, are encouraged. If you see something you like or don't like, let us know about it. Write in and, and give, us, give us that feedback. Uh, I think one of the things that strengthens our opinion page is that well, we're really inclusive. And by that, I mean that we, we don't push out opinions that maybe people might be offended by a little bit. Um, <laughs> you're, you're probably going to read something on the opinion page that that either you cheer for or just get you so mad, right? And, like, that's, that's a good opinion page. If you, if you can sit down and find two or three things that just set your emotions off in different ways, then I'd say we've done our job because we're, we're trying to get everyone out of their silos and, and really expose them to all the, the opinions that exist in this community. And it's a very diverse place. You know, we... The Flathead in Northwest Montana gets pegged as one thing, and it's it's just not. There's a lot of different types of people who live here, and uh, I think we've we've done a, a really great job of creating a platform where people feel like they can share their ideas in a way that uh, will reach those all the different people that live here, and and that's that's just a a healthy thing for a community to have. I don't think a community wants a, a newspaper that uh, is exclusive on their opinion page and, and in their content and only wants to lean a one way. There's enough of that in the world. And I think that we, our job is to create a place that's, uh, that's more inclusive. Yeah, for sure. And when you look at the opinion page, um, like you mentioned, you can see that it's, you know, we're not just getting one side of the community. We're getting multiple voices in the community, which is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And those opinion pieces um, generate a lot of feedback for us. And sometimes people, well, I'm going to cancel my subscription because of that letter you printed. And, and that's, a, that's a fine reaction, but I always t- talk to those folks who call and say, yeah, um, why don't you write a rebuttal letter instead? Just let us know what you think. And oftentimes um, that is a satisfying thing for the, them to hear, that they, that they will have their voice heard too. Yeah, get, get your opinion out there. Get your voice mm-hmm. out there. Um, Okay, I'm excited for this question. <clears throat> so what changes in journalism have you seen since your tenure here that affect how you run things here in the newsroom? Uh, I've been with the, the Hagedone 
newspaper group for around about 15 years, worked at the weeklies and, and at the Daily Interlake. And honestly, our news gathering approach hasn't really changed. And that's because we're, we're doing community journalism. And the basics of that haven't shifted just because of technology or, or whatever else is going on. You know, we, we prioritize local coverage, getting local voices, local faces in the paper, um, and presenting that in a really fair and authentic way to the community. And, and that just hasn't changed um, over the last 15 years. And it's not going to change going forward. That's, that is what makes our papers uh, uh, special for the community. And uh, our readers have let us know that, and, and we'll continue to do that going forward. But that being said, there is a lot that has changed. Um, the delivery of news over the last 15 years, really since smartphones became a thing that everyone has in their pocket, the internet, like that just, you just can't approach news the same way as, as it was two decades ago. Uh, the news cycle is always going. People are getting their news from all different kinds of places. So that means we have to, to meet uh, readers where they are. We can't just post it to the website. We can't just put out a print product and hope people pick it up. Uh, we have to take our content and, and put it on social media. Well, we're doing things like we're doing now with a, with a podcast. Uh, all of that is a really quickly changing environment and news that um, is fun and it's exciting and it's it's it keeps us on our toes for sure. But it's definitely challenging to keep up with everything that keeps keeps evolving in the industry but as far as the content goes back to what i originally said you know maybe we're delivering it over instagram now but it, it's still the same community journalism uh, approach that we've always taken and covering the things that we're obligated to cover like courts and city government and finding the the good stories in the community as well so yeah. i'd say in a, a more broad sense of news um the biggest change has just been the, the separation of news and opinion. Um, and it's not something that we necessarily deal with with what we do from day to day, but it's just so hard for people. And in my conversations with, with readers, I see this. It's so hard for people to discern what's news and what is opinion. And if we could point the finger at cable news, I mean, they play a big role in that. Those evening news shows aren't news. They're opinion pieces. But it's so hard for people to know the difference. And then the same with social media. You know, if if you're seeing things in your social media feeds, you know, it may look like news to you, but it's not. And you ha it's really hard to discern that. And I think that that's something that makes the interlake and horse news and whitefish pilot and all our weeklies really really valuable to the community as a place where you can find that trusted news you you can see you see that brand and you know that uh it's coming from a good place um and, and I, I think that this challenge that we face with discerning what is news is going to get worse it's going to get harder um, artificial intelligence is changing the game there's just even more of a shift to opinionated news. So it's it's really important for us to continue on with, with our mission here. Yeah. Do you mind if I uh, we could share a little bit about some of the AI conversations we've been having in the newsroom? 
Yeah. 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 Um, you know, as, as AI becomes more of a thing and becomes better, uh, you know, we know that it's going to play a part in our industry. So, yeah, we've been just trying to educate ourselves on it and um, looking at some of the tools, uh, ways to use it and the ways it's going to change the industry. Um, you, you attended a, did you attend a conference about that or? Yeah, the Associated Press put on a, a workshop that I attended a few months ago about it. And I had really just started learning about uh, AI and, and what it involves as far as news goes. And, you know, there, on one hand, there's some really functional tools for the industry to, to tap into. Something as basic as uh, transcribing your notes, right? So if you're recording an interview with somebody, there's programs that'll transcribe your notes for you. And I mean, awesome time saver, right? Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a I've, used time it, saver. I've used it a few times and uh, it's, it's very helpful. But there, there's other tools out there that our newsrooms are looking at um, using AI for that I think still have a ways to go, but they're interesting uh, uh, programs that will um, summarize public agendas, right? So if you have a, a really thick city council packet, the, the program will take that information and, and put it, it, condense it into a, a readable format for uh, people to, to learn more about what's going on in their city government. Um, and I think that that's an it's an interesting way to do to, to maybe get that information out to people, but I, I think we're still we still need that human factor in there, um, checking facts, making sure it's presented in in the in context, right? I don't think AI necessarily understands context yet, and that's a big part of the job that we do. Um, there's some other AI uh, programs out there that will detect whether your content is being uh, used for other AI-generated content, which is a, a strange thing, but uh, I think that that's going to be another thing we have to keep an eye on going forward. So I'm open-minded about it. I still think uh, reporters' shoe leather journalism is super important, and, and there's no replacement for that. But uh, it's certainly a, a, a space that is going to change really quickly in the next, I'd say, five years. All right, Matt. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, that was a good discussion. And I uh, look forward to talking more about how the Interlake does its job uh, in the future. There, there's so much to talk about, and we really want to share our process with the community more. And this is kind of a neat way to do that. I think the more that the community can see inside our newsroom and get to know our reporters and editors and, and what goes into our day-to-day, -day, that, that's only going to build trust further upon what we already have. So uh, this is good, and, and we need to do more of this uh, as an industry. Yeah, for sure. When I get uh, Heidi and Derek in here, we'll, we'll explore that further. That's our uh, news and features editor, so more to come for sure. But thanks, Matt. Thanks. Did you know that the Daily Interlake has a breaking news app? Search Daily Interlake in the App Store to find up-to-date information about what's going on in your community. Let's see what events are coming up this week in the Flathead Valley. The Columbia Falls Community Market is back Thursday. The market runs every Thursday during the summertime from 5 to 8 p.m. This week, the Brent Jameson and the Sorted Seeds is providing live music. Stop by and grab a bite to eat while you get your veggies and more homemade goods. At the Walcote Center on Saturday night, local musician Y. Mizutani and the Impact World Strings Chamber Ensemble present The Lights of Broadway, a concert of vocal and instrumental masterpieces from both old and new Broadway musicals. Tickets are $25, but the event is free for veterans, active duty members, and children under the age of 10. The show begins at 7 p.m. on Saturday night.
And the first ever Fish Fest in downtown Whitefish will be happening this Saturday as well. Fish Fest will be a, a celebration of all things Whitefish, beginning with the Waves annual Whitefish Marathon, half marathon, and 5K run that morning. The festival runs all day from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. For more information, visit, visit the Whitefish Chamber of Commerce's website. Find live music, art classes, and everything going on in your community by visiting our online events calendar. For organizers, business owners out for organizers and business owners out there, it's super easy and free to post your events at dailyinterlake.com/events. Thanks for joining us. News Now is a new podcast from the Daily Interlake. We're proud to be the largest news gathering operation in the region and the oldest paper in the valley. Consider becoming a, subs- a subscriber to support our work. Call circulation at 406-755-7018 or go to the manage subscription tab on the top right corner of our website. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel to never miss an episode of the pod. Everybody stay safe and have a great week.